Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. How'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. My God, this is going to be a blast of an episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, episode three of the Grease Pole Podcast post night one of the 2020 NFL Draft. And uh, this is this is going to be a blast. I got to say, in the two-plus years since the RFR days and since getting this up off the ground a couple weeks ago, a lot has happened in the Eagles, Eagles universe, I guess you could say, that, you know, when shit happens, it's like, man, I wish... It would be great to be on the airways right now, you know, because I've got an opinion on this. I've got an opinion on that. The Super Bowl happened, for Christ's sake. Last night was no different. More on that here in a few minutes. Thank you so much for being with us on day two of the 2020 NFL Draft. And, you know, going into last night was interesting for a number of reasons not just as an Eagles fan more on that you know here shortly but just in general uh this was the first virtual draft quote unquote and it was uh you know the draft is typically bedlam and chaos anyway but when you include internet and the potential for Russian hackers and all kinds of other things it it made things incredibly incredibly interesting and it was also nice to have just something, some semblance of real life back in the world with everything going on. And as this is going on, so 8 o'clock comes, which felt like forever. And it starts at 8 o'clock every year, obviously. Round one does. Tonight, round two starts at 7. But that lead up to 8 o'clock feels like just an eternity. So 8 o'clock gets here, and there's just nothing but promos of... COVID-19 and everything else. And again, we're all watching this. Everybody, unless you're a complete dumbass, you're well aware of what's going on in the world and you're tuning into this as a sports fan to kind of get back to what we're used to life being. This is a four-hour escape. So when they lead in with basically 30 minutes of C-19 promos and Dr. Fauci's up there talking, clock at 8.30, 30 minutes of COVID-19 promos. Cincinnati goes on the clock, 8.30, takes Joe Burrow, obvious pick. And another observation about this, it was it was very, very awkward to see Goodell in his super starchy man cave, quote-unquote. And the gimmick was supposed to be, hey, boo the commish still because that's the thing that's happened now. Everybody does it. It's fun. He's the heel. And he's a terrible heel, by the way. So there's this TV screen behind them where you're you're showing like 12 fans of each team or whatever, and they really don't even really look like they're booing. They look like they're having a blast because, yay, we're on national TV. 
But Goodell turns around basically before every pick, before he announces each pick, and just just awkward heckles people on a screen that can't even respond back to him. It's just like, hey, you can do better. Come on, let's go. And like by about pick seven or eight, it was just like, okay, dude, enough with this. And thankfully, Commissioner Goodell does not announce any picks after the first round. Thankfully. So there is no more of that awkward bullshit from this moment on, which was just just awful. I can't think of a more awkward, more awkward heel. Is there a more awkward wrestling heel? Who was the most awkward wrestling heel that you can think of, Justin, offhand? Anybody? Because just watching Goodell heckle the damn <laughs> the monitors was so, so strange. Come on, give it to me. Like there was even no inflection on his voice. None. No emotion. It's almost like he was reading a teleprompter. Tackle people. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. So, at any rate, the draft gets underway, and it, it was really interesting to see the way things fell, man. Really interesting. You know, no receivers taken in the top ten, which, you know, okay. The Raiders go rugs. At 11, first receiver off the board, was not Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. I guess you could – is it a surprise, really? The Raiders love speed. I know that's the gimmick. You know, Ruggs ran a 4-2-3 at the combine. Is it really a shock? I mean, I would have gone Judy or Lamb first, but I don't think it's necessarily a surprise that the Raiders went Ruggs. So then the run on receivers begins, and it's how is this going to affect us? As soon as Henry Ruggs went at 12, every Eagles fan – now goes to the edge of their seat, drink in hand. I know I did, because you know what's coming. So you've got rugs, then Judy goes off the board, and C.D. Lamb's still still hanging out there, still lingering. Atlanta going on the clock at 16 before Dallas. Dallas picked at 17. I had a gut feeling, and I'm sure a lot of other people did, and this is where I made the mistake <laughs> – of going on social media to see what everybody else was saying, and I knew. Trade up for C.D. Lamb. Trade up. Get ahead of Dallas. Get ahead of Dallas. Because you know Atlanta's not going to take a receiver. Right? They got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. They just took him in the first round a couple years ago. They just paid Julio. They're not – receiver's not on the board for Atlanta. But if C.D. Lamb falls in Dallas's lap, you've got to believe you know Jerry Jones did not plastic man – he did not expect CeeDee Lamb to fall to 17 and fall in his lap. There's no way. They have way more immediate pressing needs than receiver. They just paid Amari Cooper a shit ton of money. Xavier McKinney, Caleb on Chason, very much thought would be in the conversation for Dallas. The trade-up does not happen. Atlanta, the pick is in. So you know how he's not moving up. Now Dallas is on the clock at 17. And, you know, it's one of those things, man, as the clock's running down, you're like, okay, what, what's going to happen here? Yes, they have bigger needs, but C.D. Lamb is it's 17. He's such great value. They're not going to pass that up. Sure as shit, or as Jim Cornette says, wouldn't you know who won the pony? C.D. Lamb goes 17 overall to the Dallas Cowboys, and all hell breaks loose on Eagles social media. Everybody is fucking pissed. They're ready to just go nuts. They want Howie Roseman's head on a fucking stick like Warden McCluskey and Natural Born Killers. 
because he didn't trade up to take the guy that they wanted. Now, look, I I wouldn't have been mad at that point. I even said to my brother-in-law, who I was watching the draft with, and I said this in episode two, I was dead set against trading up, but you did not expect C.D. Lamb to fall that far. When he fell to 16 and he's still sitting on the board, absolutely the thought crossed my mind of trade up, get ahead of Dallas, snag him. But again, at the same time, is it – and I think it's a mixture of both. It, it, can, all, it can be CeeDee Lamb is great value at this point, which he is, arguably the best receiver in the draft. Still sitting there officially at 16 going into 17, the back half of the first round, second half. So you have the incredible value aspect that you did not expect him to get here. Okay, maybe we can move up and not give up as much as we initially thought we would if we wanted to look up, move, look at moving up to get him. But then you have, let's move ahead of Dallas. So it's it's we have the value sitting there that we want, but also let's move ahead of the team that we fucking hate. And of course, come on, man, everybody hates the Cowboys. I don't think that's even exclusive to Eagles fans. It's especially the case for us. But the more you think about it, if you start reacting and making your moves as a franchise off of what another team is doing or if you're simply reacting to switching your game plan around to affect another team, now you're just – you're shooting yourself in the dick, Plaxico Burris, in a sense. Would it have been a bad move? No. But looking at who's still on the board going into tonight, round two and three, the second night of this thing, and we'll get into that shortly as well, there's still a ton of value here, man. You had to believe the Birds would have had to at least give up. They would have had to swap ones. This second round pick tonight would have been a part of the deal, plus additional picks maybe. Do you really want to part ways with that? Again, there's way too many needs on this team than to just start dealing away picks because you want to piss off a rival fan base. And that's the thing. I think if if Dallas had already picked and they had taken, say, C.J. Henderson, if C.J. Henderson didn't go top 10, I don't think the clamoring would have been as aggressive to trade up for him. I don't. I think there was absolutely an angle of let's fuck the rival here. And look, I'm all for pissing Cowboys fans off. Fuck yeah. But this thing worked out. This thing worked out just fine. Just fine. Because you can absolutely make the argument, and it's 100% accurate, Dallas's offense just got significantly better, right? Byron Jones leaves in free agency. They got way worse on defense, did Dallas. And now they're passing up premier defensive talent in the likes of McKinney and Chase on to go for a luxury pick. That's what this was. It was a value pick, absolutely, and it was a good pick. And I hate to give Dallas credit for shit, but I'm I'm a realist. It was a good pick. But you sacrifice improving your defense that needed to be upgraded with premier talent so that you could take a luxury pick at receiver and make your offense more dangerous. So, yes, Dallas got better on offense, but they are significantly worse on defense now after losing Byron Jones in free agency as well. The Birds, on the other hand, looking at free agency, the moves that were made, shut down corner, traded for Darius Slay. Okay? 
Yes, Malcolm Jenkins is gone, but you add that shutdown corner in Slay. You move Mills to safety. You bring McLeod back at safety. I think the move Mills move to safety is going to greatly benefit him and the team, I believe. So the Birds have already gotten better on defense. Not saying it's top 10 defense. This isn't the Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, Seth Joyner, you know, Eric Allen, Wes Hopkins defense. This isn't the Jim Johnson era defense. But point being, since 2019, since we last saw this team play, they got better on defense. Additionally, with the 21st pick, the Eagles got better on offense as well as Justin Jefferson fell. The hot mock draft name. And look, I love Justin Jefferson. I said it on episode two a couple days ago. Love him. The majority of his, uh, his uh, production comes from the slot. Kind of a red flag for me because you want a guy that can line up anywhere. If you're taking a guy in the first round, to me, you don't want a niche talent. And I'm not calling Justin Jefferson. I'm not downgrading what he did. The guy's a phenomenal talent. There's a reason he went the first round. Maybe not where you wanted, but he's a first-round player. But you have Jefferson, who gets the majority of his production from the slot. He's the hot name. He's the guy everybody's seen in mock drafts. Therefore, that's the guy that conditioned some people to believe that we should take. So when he's still sitting there at 21, you got to be thinking it's Jefferson. And I did too. But I was not convinced that it wasn't Jefferson. The sky was falling here. So, with a 21st pick, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU. And again, immediately, all hell breaks loose. What the fuck are we doing? Howie is trash. Fuck him. Fire the staff. And this is not everybody. It's just pockets of the the dumb shit you see on the internet. In the comment section, on Eagles Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter, and just dumbass people who do not do their homework themselves, don't watch any tape, realistically probably don't watch a ton of college football and even know who some of these guys are, but have just seen Justin Jefferson's name in mock drafts. Therefore, they go, that's who I want. He's the popular guy. And he went to LSU. The national champions and caught touchdown passes from Joe Burrow, the first overall pick. So we know him. Not knowing what Jalen Rager's capable of. Having no fucking idea. Just he's not the guy that we've heard of. He's not the shiny toy we've told we've been told should go here. So smart people that have done their homework have looked at it and gone, okay, it's a good pick. The internet crowd raging with pitchforks is there immediately to just pour the gasoline on it and light it on fire. If you look at Jalen Rager and what he brings to the table, I'm telling you this is a phenomenal pick, okay? It may not have been who you wanted. It's not Justin Jefferson. It's not who you thought it would be. But this is a good pick, and it will not disappoint. Love with Jalen Rager. From Wachahaxie, Texas, home of the National Wrestling Alliance's Trevor Murdoch. Had to work that in. Had to. Could not Not the fastest time for a receiver, 4.47 at the Combine. Unofficially on his virtual pro day, again, unofficial 40 time for Rager, was a 4.22. Unofficially. This guy's got speed. This guy's got speed that can go up and high point the ball. Again, 42-inch vertical, 5'11", 205 pounds. He can high point the ball. 
Explosive speed. He's a three-level target. This guy can win on all three levels of the field. And more importantly, as compared to Jefferson, who got the overwhelming majority of his production from the slot at LSU, Rager can line up anywhere. You can put him outside. You can put him in the slot. You can put him anywhere, and he wins at all three levels of the field. And again, versatility is something that Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson value. He's also valuable in special teams as Rager. He can return punts and kickoffs for you as well. And that's an element, again, old reliable Darren Sproles retired now. So that's another dimension that he brings to the table. Okay, again, watch watch tape on these guys. And so when you look at the box score, it's popular to shit on this pick as well if you want to be lazy. Because if you look at his stat line, his stat scores, 2018, right, he put up good numbers. 72 receptions, 1,061 yards for nine touchdowns. Impressive. Now, this past year, again, this is why you can't just look at box scores. 43 receptions, 611 yards, and five touchdowns in 2019 for TCU. Now, that's not sexy. If you look at that in a vacuum, I get where you would go, man, that's not good for a dude being taken 21 overall. But that's why you can't just go by box scores and mock drafts. TCU's quarterback situation this year was a disaster. They had true freshmen starting at quarterback. Some dude named Max Duggan. All right? Yeah, there were a few drop balls here and there, but on Rager's behalf. But the quarterback situation, having a true freshman start is not ideal to have your perimeter talent put up massive numbers that you want to see if your team is taking them in the first round. So don't just look at 611 yards and five touchdowns and go, man, this is a shit pick. Dig a little deeper. There's a reason why the production dropped off that tremendously from 2018 to 2019. True freshman to quarterback has a lot to do with it. Also, I found it pretty cool, too, that his father, his pops, Monte Rager, played his final season in the NFL for the Birds in 2007. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, interviewed him last night. He said he is blessed to have Carson Wentz as his quarterback. Completely agree. So he's a Carson Wentz guy. Love it. Love it. And again, those are things you got to say. But he hasn't played a single down yet, saying he's blessed to have Wentz as his quarterback as opposed to having a snitch in the locker room that's coming out and talking shit. I'm looking at you, Alshon the Judas, possibly. You know? That's the mentality you want in a guy, a guy that's ready to get to work. You know, again, when you look at this team's needs, <clears throat> you know, on offense, there was, a, there was a need there for an outside receiver with speed. There was a need there. You need a guy on the perimeter. He's a good route runner. Again, makes the contested catches. It, it Don't allow yourself to buy into the internet bullshit. This is not a bad pick just because it's not C.D. Lamb. Because it's the guy you wanted with C.D. Lamb. This is not a bad pick just because it's not one of the top three guys. Plain and simple. I'm spelling it out for you. I'm doing the homework for those of you who considering that the emotions are still fresh. We're a little over 12 hours since the picks got made. I think long-term this pick fits better into this offense, Jalen Rager than Justin Jeff. And you can put him anywhere. You can put Jalen Rager anywhere on the field, line him up, all three levels, production, can't wait to see him in this offense and see what Doug Peterson does with him. He can hit the edge on those jet sweeps. They ran those with him at TCU, I'm telling you. And that's something this offense loves to do. That's a staple of the Doug Peterson offense. 
Can't wait to see Jalen Rager. Hopefully this fall, if we have football, we better or I will be on the news. So as we go into tonight, the way the board fell at the end of the first round, I mean, there were guys, there were a lot of weird picks, man. The Raiders taking Damon Arnett, I thought was, look, man, you guys want to talk about Jalen Rager? For those people that say Jalen Rager was a reach at 21, Damon Arnett at 19. Uh, the Titans, the tackle they took, Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. You know, again, watch his tape. He's good. He's. I'm not denying that he's good, but just these late-rising guys whose name you hear for various reasons, you know, the Combine, the Mike Mamulas who pop up late and, and teams just fall in love with him. Miami's last pick, Noah Igbenogany, I think is how you say his name. Fuck, I don't know. Can I buy a vowel? The corner from Auburn. That's not a first-round corner, man. In my opinion, could be wrong. But this board fell incredibly well in terms of talent still being there going into the second and third rounds tonight. My brother-in-law is a Bengals fan. He's more excited for tonight than last night. Joe Burrow was a lock. There being a ton of talent here for Cincinnati at 33, it should start the night off. This is going to be a fun-ass night. Again, day two always is, and so is day three if you're a draft mark like I am. But there is a ton of talent still here. And, again, it's a deep draft, but there is a lot still here. A couple guys that stand out uh, to me, a couple directions that I think Howie should look. Looking at who's still on the board, I like Jalen Johnson out of Utah a lot, the corner. He's not a uh, uh, – and again, keep in mind, Darius Slade just came to town, right? He's the shutdown corner. Jalen Johnson's not a, a pure, a, a legitimate shutdown corner. Very instinctive and athletic. This point in the draft, second round, worth a shot maybe. Antoine Winfield Jr., safety out of Minnesota. Pops played in the NFL. Same deal. Not the most purely talented safety in the draft, but he's got great instincts, high football IQ. Go watch his tape against Penn State from this past year. He was a fucking terror. I was cussing his ass out, you know, against against when Penn State played Minnesota this year. Drove me nuts. He was a pest. Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois. Love this guy. Heady player in coverage. Can also defend the run. This dude is a disruptive defender and a playmaker. Only downside with him, again, Southern Illinois you never know what that competition level. He might be a bit of a project maybe initially because of the level of competition he faced in college. But, again, you watch, his, you watch his tape. The talent, the pure talent is there. We know how much Howie Roseman loves the trenches. Ross Blacklock, defensive tackle out of TCU. Borderline fringe first-round talent, in my opinion. Outstanding athlete for his position on the interior defensive line. Not super technically sound, but, again, you know, should he put it – if he could put it together eventually with his athletic gifts for his size in that position, it's it's going to be a problem. It's going to be gross. Akeem Davis-Gaither, linebacker out of Appalachian State. This team, again, needs linebackers. Bad. It wouldn't have been a sexy pick last night either, but I would have been okay with Patrick Queen at 21. We talked about him on episode two. Linebacker is a massive need. That's officially now the biggest need on this team. The entire roster after last night – Linebacker is the biggest need on this entire fucking roster. Akeem Davis Gaither out of Appalachian State. Worth a look. Instinctive. Tough. He plays downhill. His blitz and coverage ability. 
ideal for 2020's uh, game, the way it's played. Ideal. Natane Muti, guard out of Fresno State. He's got the tools to be a great guard at the NFL level. Straight mauler. The only thing with him, you know, last two seasons were cut short by injury. If that were not the case, this guy would be a borderline first-round pick. Go watch his tape. The guy's a mauler. A couple guys we talked about the other day as well, still on the board. Logan Wilson, linebacker out of Wyoming. Lynn Bowden, wide receiver out of Kentucky. Is it possible that the Birds double down a receiver here tonight in the second or third round? I don't think they should go receiver in round one or two unless, you know, who knows, man. Maybe maybe somebody falls. You know, Gross Matos is still there out of Penn State. I thought for sure, you know, gotten in an argument with a buddy of mine who's a Giants fan who – well, you know, if your boy's still there in the second round, I tell, there's no fucking way he's going to be there in the second round. No way. Lo and behold, he's there in the second round. I text him this morning, yo, who do you want your boys to take in the second round? Two were, you know, text me back, gross mottos. Like, fuck. Thanks for making me look bad, NFL. <laughs> you know, there's, but there's still a ton of talent left. Again, Xavier McKinney's still on the board. I don't, and all these guys, I don't know if they're going to be on the board when the birds are on the clock in the second round. But those are just a couple guys that stand out to me. There is still a plethora of talent still out there. You cannot go wrong. There's a lot of guys out there, man. And again, after last night's pick, I'll be very curious to see where how he goes. Got the receiver for the future now with Jalen Rager. I'm telling you, this, this pick is money, people. This pick is money. Just because it's not Justin Jefferson, you're less familiar with TCU than you are LSU. Because LSU is national champions. Everybody knows who LSU is, Joe Burrow. Even people that don't watch college football like a nerd every Saturday, like I do. Even if you're not bogged down in it, you've at least heard the name Joe Burrow. Therefore, when you see Justin Jefferson goes to LSU, the light bulb goes off. Oh, shit. Okay, he must be good. He played for the national champs. Jalen Rager's a money pick. What do you think? Hit me up on Instagram, at Greased Pole Podcast. Uh, thoughts about the Rager pick? Who who do you like tonight, round two and three? There's there's still a lot out there, man. There's still a lot out there. And I cannot wait to see what Howie Roseman's got up his sleeve. Cannot wait. Looking forward to uh, pouring a few more Jack and Cokes tonight, getting after it. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's like me, but, I, I you know, you sip a few. You sip a few. And then once Ruggs went to the Raiders, my pace picked up a lot quicker. Between 12 and 21, I think I had about four. Just because you're pounding them. Stress, okay? What's going to happen? You know? The trick is, kids, by the way, for anyone getting the weirds tonight, the trick is work some Pedialyte into the rotation. I'm telling you, free plug to Pedialyte, man. Lifesaver. In between, I'd go out, man cave, kitchen. In between, you know, get, get you a refill. In between each refill, uncap Pedialyte, take a swig. I'm telling you, it works magic. There will be no such thing as a hangover. It's amazing. So, cheers to tonight. Day two, round two and three of the draft. Can't wait to see what Howie Roseman's going to do, how he's going to shape this roster for 2020. What do you think of Rager? What do you think going into tonight? Who's on your board? Who do you prefer? Who do you want the birds to take? Who do you think they'll take? Hit me up on Instagram, at Podcast. Looking forward to you guys' input. I will see you next time. This has been Episode 3 of the Grease Pole Podcast. As always, go Birds.
Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Philly.